Jets at Breakfast and Nico Schmidt is online and sharing, you know, exciting uh, news about the Mazda CX-60. So my uh, first vehicle that was brand spanking new, it wasn't mine, it wasn't mine. I was just asked to drive it, to take it from one town to the other, was a Mazda 323. I still remember the smell of that car and it was still in plastics. I even sat on the plastics. I couldn't even rip the plastics because I was delivering it somewhere and I was young. Don't ask me how old I was. I started life very, very young, but three, two, three. I don't know where that is. It's still on the road. Well, we'll find out from Nico uh, when we talk to him. Let's uh, take a small break and we'll be back. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Nico, good morning and a warm welcome to Jet Set Breakfast. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Fantastic. I missed you. I know Michelle is back in her seat, uh, but I missed you. Thank you. It, it, uh, it's nice to chat to you again as well. It's really it's very nice. How's your Saturday so far? Oh, I'm it's, sure busy. It's great. I know. I you know sometimes I I tend to forget that uh, Michelle's show is actually jam packed. It is so jam packed, <laughs> but in a good way, in a very good yeah. way. Yes. So let's talk about the Mazda uh, CX60. Yeah, so um, I spoke to Ndor, she said, you guys had a look at it. What do you think? Let's just start with your impressions. Well, if you look at the car, how does it, what does it look like to you? Okay, so um, aesthetics-wise, these days I get a little bit confused because it almost looks <laughs> like a Volvo, uh, like a, I don't know, like a, like a, a BMW, the 4x4, from, from the angle that I'm seeing. But yeah, but it looks beautiful. Apart from that, so, it looks beautiful. That's it. So we're talking about the Mazda CX-60, and um, it's, you know, there's different design schools almost, you can see. You can say. So if I look at um, some of some of the car brands out there, they go way out, and the cars look a lot more aggressive. There's lots of metal bits and shiny bits and lots of um, aggressive angles. And in the case the CX-60, Mazda's gone the opposite route. So it's more smooth lines um, on the Mazda on the outside. So you're right. It's, it's, you know, in real life, you normally say in the middle. So when you see the car in real life, it's really a stunning car. And it's, it's quite imposing because it's really it's quite big. So when you see it, it's um, it's a big car, but it's really good looking. It's got the Mazda grille, and there's aluminium details around the grille, and they lead onto the lights. And then a very smooth front, so and quite a long bonnet. And then the vehicle itself, um, long lines, you know, on the side of um, of the CX60. It's beautiful. It's a, you know beautiful lines, and in the back as well. You get small taillights that run across the, the back of the CX-60 and, and bottom, at the, the exhaust at the bottom of chrome and everything else is, is, is a body color. So it's more of a, a smooth design, but really imposing. And it's a nice looking car, to be honest. Mm. What's the space like inside? Yo, that's a thing. Um, uh, it, it's really spacious. So when you climb inside, it's, it's a little bit bigger than the CX-5. So if you look at the... The generations we normally knew from Mazda, the CX-3 and CX-5, and it's actually a little bit bigger in the front than the CX-5 and a little bit bigger in the back. So the, the first th- thing you get, the first feeling is the feeling of space. So space is inside, um, and uh, so you, you, you feel that there's a lot of space. And then you've got this horizontal design that runs all the way across with a screen at the top, and the air vents on the sides, but they actually link nicely to the door. So there's there's a uh, aluminium strip around the, the air vents, and then the door itself has a has a aluminium strip that, that sort of follows that line through. So the first time you climb inside, you know, the first impression is it's really beautiful and very minimalistic, which is something I quite like. 
Mm. And I also like that, you know, uh, uh, looking at the compartments or the little gadgets inside, they've got a, you know, small ports where you can actually recharge your 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 Androids or whatever, whatever your phone, which is actually quite cute. You know what? Um, nowadays, you, you, you're not buying a car and it doesn't have a place to charge. So it has charging points and then it has inductive uh, inductive charging points as well. So in other words, you know that when you just put the phone down, it will charge automatically. So it has an inductive charging point. And, um, but just, you know, part of the design, which is really good, is that there's still climate control buttons, and it's actually not a touchscreen, which is, you know, a lot of manufacturers are going to touchscreen. So, um, so you have a, a center controller, so a controller just behind the gear lever, where you control the functions of the infotainment screen. And I actually like that. Um, you know, I'm so used to driving cars nowadays and she's driving different cars, they all have touchscreens. And now when you have this controller, it actually, it, it feels a bit mechanical, but it's actually something I like. It, I, because one of the big benefits, I don't have to take my eyes off the road. I had that, um, I think we spoke about that a while back, and I drove a car where I had to look on the screen to touch something. So this, I just, you, you can, you know, that, that mechanical way of moving things is really nice. But it doesn't mean the car doesn't feel high-tech. It just means that it feels a bit more, I think the English word is tactile. Um, the, the buttons on the steering wheel as well, they, they, they're nice physical buttons. And then the, the display in front of the driver can be customized. So it's a digital display and you can have the normal instrumentation or a different view. Um, so um, it feels um, high-tech, but in a minimalistic way. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm, no, it does. I, I also like, you know, the finishes um, inside mm. where it's like, you know, in, in the past when, when, when you have your dashboard, your dashboard is just, it's all plastic and, and it's just, you know, smooth. I like this. It looks like it's got a bit of stitching in it. It just gives it that, you know, that class that makes oh, it look for, really exclusive. Oh, for sure. Definitely that's a, a big thing. Is, um, the build quality feels great. You know, the, the, the surfaces that you touch are, are soft surfaces. Like if you touch the center of the dash, it's a soft plastic. So, um, and everything feels solid. When you close the doors, it feels solid. So you really get a solid, well-built feeling when you, when you climb inside. And then there's interesting features. There, um, there's two versions of the vehicle. Um, and um, the, the one is, let's say, a standard vehicle that has all the basics that you would need. So it's got climate control and it's got inductive charging. Um, and it's got, as I said, the digital display and uh, a good sound system. Uh, and then it, it, it goes to uh, uh, sort of a next level. And if you have the next level, then you get extras like adaptive cruise or radar cruise control. So when you're driving, the car will, um, uh, the radar sensor will keep a following distance to you, uh, between you and the car in front. And you get things like blind spot mirrors, which um, or blind spot warning, if there's a kind of blind spot, gives you warning. And then they've got something um, quite interesting where um, the car actually um, uh, has a camera inside the, the, just behind the steering wheel and that, as you climb in, looks at who the driver is, so they, they see the driver, and then it adjusts your seat position, your steering wheels, your mirror, the head-up display, the sound, and even the climate settings to the physical preferences of the person, in other words, to their height. That's interesting. So that's something I've never seen where the car looks at you and then says, okay, this is where you should be, and then it uses facial recognition to identify the driver, and you can then save these settings. So there's over 200 different settings that you can set, once a cause, now adjust it, everything, and you can save the setting. So that is really quite interesting. Mm. And what's the, you know, I always want to know in terms of fuel consumption, how great so, is it? Okay, so, so fuel consumption um, um, is, I would say, okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
this is where some of the competitors um, with turbo diesels actually has a, a big difference. So in the case of uh, the Mazda, it's a normally aspirated petrol engine. So what that means is the fuel consumption is okay. It's below 10. I think we've got around 8 liters per 100 kilometers. Um, and I think you can, you know, it's sort of a mixture between town driving and, and highway driving. So the fuel consumption is okay, and that's one thing where the performance is not bad. So if you want to accelerate, the car goes, you've got, but you've got to get the revs up a little bit more because some of the competitor cars are turbo cars, and this is normally aspirated. But I know I've, I've spoken to some people, and they say, listen, I don't want a normally aspirated engine. I want a turbo engine. Or I don't want a turbo engine. I want a normally aspirated engine. So, um, so that's where um, one of the things is, um, the turbo cars, especially in the Ting, because you must remember that if you drive at the coast, um, then there's a lot of the air um, um, particles are close together. And as you go, every 100 meters you go above sea level, you lose um, a percent of the performance. So if you get to um, Pretoria, which is about 1,400 meters above sea level, because it's not a turbo car, you've lost 14% of the power. And Johannesburg, 16% of the power. So it has 141 kilowatts and 261 newtons. Um, but um, you've, got to, you've got to stir the pot a little bit more. But then it's more than willing to, to overtake and pass. Mm. Um, just to also you know, include uh, our listeners, if they're listening, uh, you can use our WhatsApp voice note line, which is 0614104107, if you would like to find out uh, or ask any questions or anything that is vehicle-related. Nico Schmidt is online and uh, chatting to us about, um, well, uh, the new Mazda that has just been baked, or should I say released, We've come a long way. I was just uh, talking about the Mazda 323 way back then. And in, com- in comparison. <laughs> so I'm laughing because my cousin, they had a Mazda 323. Um, and we, we, yeah, we, it, it's, uh, um, it was a real drive little car. And I remember, even, you know, going with him and he was much older than me. So, you know, when you're a young little boy and you look up to your cousin, he's got a, a driving, driving license. And then where my grandmother lived, they had these gravel roads and he used to do handbrake turns and things. And I was just in awe of his driving. So I remember those Mazda 323s um, fondly. And a lot of people in South Africa had them. They were popular little cars. Yes, they were. I, I fondly remember because I drove one. I think my trip was from Bulawayo to Harare and I just got my license. My license was a day old and I was asked to drive someone's car from Bulawayo to Harare, mm-hmm. which was like 500 uh, kilometers away. And I remember each time, you know, when a big van was coming from the opposite direction, oh boy, oh boy, I felt like I could just drive off the road. But it was a beautiful experience. Now, with this particular car, do cars still have cruise control? Yeah, so cars, and nowadays, especially um, if you in this segment, I mean, it, it's, it's a big car, so it's in quite a, in the SUV segment, it's, there's a lot of competition. So cruise control is standard on the car. Um, mm-hmm. And then, as we said, um, this, the optional, the, 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 there's two models. There's a dynamic, which is front-wheel drive. Then there's an all-wheel drive individual. And the, uh, so the dynamic, which is the entry-level, has um, cruise control. And the all-wheel drive has adaptive cruise control. So how that cruise control works, it's like normal cruise control. So let's say you set the speed at 120. And then it has a radar sensor. Now, a radar sensor sees metal. So what the, what the radar sensor does, it sends out a pulse. It bounces against a, a metal, which is a car in front, and it comes back. So the car, your car knows how far the car is in front. So let's say you set the speed at 120 on the highway, and you're doing 120, and suddenly there's a car in your lane ahead of you doing 100. 
your car will then slow down. And then what you do is you set, uh, you have a, a distance that you set um, on the car itself. In other words, you set a distance and it then keeps that distance. So the car's doing 100, you're doing 100, and you can set the distance and you can get closer or further away. And then if the car moves out, the radar sensor says, oh, it's clear, and it shrinks back up to 120. That's actually convenient because um, things, it has, those systems nowadays have what they call stop-go as well. So um, let's imagine you're sitting in the morning in traffic or afternoon. Let's imagine afternoon. It's 5 o'clock, coming back from work, you're really tired, and traffic is moving slowly. When they slow down, you slow down. When they come to a stop, the car comes to a stop. As they move off, you move off again. So you really start relaxing a bit more because the car does all the braking and accelerating. And then they normally have, these cars have a forward collision system. In other words, if you're sleeping, even if the system isn't active and you're not really concentrating and the cars in front stop, they warn you. So they would then normally um, have a sort of quite an aggressive sound. They would have a, a warning light. Uh, all of the cars would actually grab the brakes. So there's quite an aggressive, like a jolt. And then the cars would start braking for you. And they, that actually, you know, make, that does make a difference if you're not concentrating because if you then react, you might actually miss the accident. So that, that radar cruise control is really an amazing system. Yeah. And um, I also want to find out pricing. What are we looking ah, at here? There lies the rub. So pricing for the Mazda CX-60 2.5 liter dynamic is 739,800 rand. And for the CX-60 2.5 liter, so both of them are 2.5 liters, all-wheel drive individual, it's 844,500 rand. So it is a lot of money. It is not, um, you know, for, for most South Africans, it's beyond their means. But there are lots of people that are in that segment, and there are people that are, you know, buying cars in that segment. And um, if you're looking for something alternative that's not what everybody else has, um, or if you are a Mazda fan and you used to, you, you had a CX-5 before, and you're now looking for something different, then you've got to consider this car. You've got to go drive it. Um, because um, it's a big car, it has a massive boot, so it's spacious, um, it um, has an electric boot, and you can even, you know, in the, you have a function of where you just simply do a kicking motion and the boot opens up, so specification is good, and safety is good on the car, so something to consider if you have that type of money to spend. Mm. We're going to take a small break. Uh, speaking to Nico Smith and talking about the new Mazda, and uh, it'll set you off around about 790,000. And if you're going to pay per month, that's almost 10,599, or should I say 10,600 Rand per month? I don't know how much you'll be earning uh, because to take that kind of um, chunk change to a car, whew, you must be earning what, 60, 100 per month, maybe, or maybe not. Who knows? But um, if you would like to ask questions, don't hesitate. 0614-104-107. When we get back, we get into your voice notes. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nicku Smith. Morning, SAFM. Let's talk some more from then. Can I ask Nico there, what is his uh, advice on if I'm using an automatic car to pull another car is it advisable to do so with an automatic car okay nico okay so it it depends a little bit on so the question is is it advisable to tow my another car with my automatic car so i guess the car's broken down it depends on the type of gearbox so there's a few factors here so how big is your car how big is that car if you've got a small little car and you carry and you're pulling a big car you know that would already be number one a problem um, so let's say the cars are the same size, that's okay. Then the next thing is the type of gearbox. So if you have a twin clutch gearbox, 
Um, you know, Volkswagen calls it the DSG, or Audi calls it Extronic, or BMW calls it DCT. Um, other manufacturers have different names for it. Um, those gearboxes actually have a clutch. So um, it, they're okay, but if, the, if there's a lot of weight, uh, yeah, I would say for a short distance, they're fine. If you're, carrying, if you're pulling with a tall converter uh, gearbox, um, so that's more like a conventional type of gearbox, then actually the tall converter doubles the torque as you're pulling away because it's, it's effectively an, uh, two fans in oil. That's the connection between the engine and gearbox. So as you pull away, you turn the fan, which turns the oil, which turns the gearbox, and that, that system doubles the torque. So if you're pulling away with that, it's actually not a problem. So it just, you know, those are, I would tell the factors. Don't pull something that's much bigger than your, your car. And if you are towing, then just some principles is um, you, uh, the back car is the brakes. So make sure you, the, the towing distance is, is about three meters. So um, have a proper tow rope. If it's a tow rope, even, even better, you sometimes get a solid metal, like a tow hook almost between two cars. It's a, it's a metal extension as opposed to a rope. If you are towing with a rope, the rope shouldn't, shouldn't be dragging on the tar, and then the back car is the brakes. So as you get into a traffic light, the back car slows you down. The back car slows the front car down. So keep the tension all the time and use the back car as the brakes. Of course, the front car can assist a little bit as well, but you know, that would be the principle for towing. Put hazards on. Make sure you're aware of what's going on. Don't go too fast. Mm-hmm. Let's go to another voice note. Hi, good morning, Peter and Nico there. Flores here from the Western Cape. Uh, Nico, when it comes to buying a car, especially a second-hand car, you obviously look for a car who's fuel-efficient and uh, parts who's readily available in South Africa. When it comes to Opel Corsa, I have an Opel Corsa 1.6 excellence. Uh, The parts are Opel. Uh, Is it expensive or is it quite uh, uh, um, uh, affordable compared to a Peugeot? Yeah, have a good show. Bye-bye. Um, I would say, I mean, the Corsos uh, were pretty, really popular. I had a 1.8 Corsa Bucky uh, for, a, for a long time. I loved it. It was a lovely little yes, vehicle. that was um, a good car. Or is yeah, still a good car. Exactly. And a friend of mine had a, a little small Corsa as well. I think his was a 1.3. And the, the latest Corsa is actually really understated. If you go drive the latest Corsa, um, they were, Avis has them. And a while back I rented an Avis Corsa. I was really impressed with it. But back to that, because something is popular, there's more cars out there. That generally means, I'm not saying that's always the case, but it generally means there's more parts. The Peugeot's are good cars, but they're not really that popular, which means um, sometimes, depending on the model, you might actually have to wait longer. So I would, uh, this would be an educated guess now because I don't know what the parts would be in each stockyard or in each warehouse. But I would say that if you have a Corsa, you're more likely to find parts for a Corsa um, than you are likely to find parts for a Peugeot, simply because the Corsas are more popular. Um, yeah. So that's what I would guess. You would find it. Yeah, you're probably more lucky, but it depends on the parts. You know, if it's just brake pads and brake discs, that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, for air filters or well filters or spark plugs, no problem. If it's something more specialized, um, like a suspension arm, maybe you might wait a bit then for that. So certain parts um, you might wait a bit for, but, you know, this, yeah, that's what I think. I also found that uh, Peugeot parts were uh, are just a little bit more pricey. That mm. is if you even find them. But anyway... Yeah, it can- yeah, it can be. I think also um, uh, certain cars, the parts are pricey. Um, yeah, so that is the case, especially because it's 
a specialized part or there's not a lot to it now it comes all the way from France, then uh, it's probably flying first class or business class. So you're going to pay for that ticket. <laughs> That's true. Let's go to another voice note. Good morning, Nico. Good morning to the team and the loyal listeners. Nico, please, how can someone who is driving automatic car push start that car? Suppose the battery runs down. Is it possible for such an individual to push and start that car at the same time? Secondly, when should we expect to see Nico in the studio? It's Bramoro in Bloemfontein. Oh, Nico. (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, um, I love the studio, but uh, I have to say, convenient-wise, sitting at home um, with a coffee on the couch is is, is more convenient, but the studio is more fun, I have to admit. I I enjoy the studio. Maybe so. Yeah, but everybody's always so friendly, and they make me feel so welcome when I get to the studio. I almost feel guilty that I'm not there every Saturday. Okay, so to the question, um, the answer is no. Um, so unfortunately, there's no way that you can push start um, a automatic car because what you're doing with a manual car is the pistons are um, you, you are moving the wheels and as you drop the clutch, you then um, connect the engine and the gearbox um, and the pistons start moving up. So there's no way for you to push start a automatic car. So you've got to jump start the automatic car. Um, that's the only way. Um, when you are jump starting a car, just beware that there, there can be a, there's a surge of current. So switch on. Your electrics switch on your lights. They, they can take a lot of energy away. So switch on the car that's been started lights um, because the cars have um, um, sensitive electronics. And if you do it the wrong way around, if you make that connection the wrong way around, I had a while back, I had somebody that did that, that they found and they had a problem because somebody came to help them and they had the connection the wrong way around. And then you fly, fry the electronics. So make sure that the negative goes to negative and positive goes to positive. Switch on the, the, all the systems. And then let the car start running and then switch on the second car. But yeah, that's mm. what I would do. But unfortunately, sorry, there's no way to push start an automatic. And now that it's winter and it's cold, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are struggling with their batteries. And come summer when it's nice and hot, I'm sure the batteries will be like nice and warm, you know, and it so, won't be much of a challenge. Yeah, the, the batteries are actually okay. The biggest thing that will run down a battery if you just do short trips, um, the battery will eventually run down. So if you're just going to the shop and back and shop and back and shop and back, you, the, the battery needs a while to fully charge. So short distances can be that sometimes you go, why, you know, the battery, I'm driving all the time, but if you're doing short distances, it's not ideal. So um, a battery needs a long distance trip, or otherwise you can buy what we call trickle chargers, which aren't very expensive, and you can go to a, a battery place and, and buy a trickle, uh, not battery, you know, any parts place, buy, buy a trickle charger, and um, then uh, that will that, charge the battery and keep it at a, at a much better state. Mm. Let's take one more voice note. I think to add what Nico had to say with regards to towing, sometimes it might be a good idea for the back car um, to put it to be in a low, in a high gear in order to make sure the brake booster still works and the high gear or maybe even third or fourth will also assist in slowing the vehicle down because it's given a natural resistance if it is if it can still be in gear okay i mean how clever how clever is that very good exactly uh, but that depends if you it's a car that you're towing as an engine that still runs um, and you can uh, so in other words you know it depends on if the engine runs or not on the back car but yeah that's because in any car, you want to use engine braking uh, as opposed to using the brakes. So just the fact that the car's in gear 
will slow it down quite nice. But you know, bear in mind, um, if you if the car behind you is there's you know the the, um, the the battery is flat, you've got to make sure that you don't lock the steering. <laughs> and also remember, if you if you if you if there's no ignition at all, then you're not going to have power steering. So when you turn, you're in a big surprise. It's heavy to turn. So mm-hmm. make sure the ignition is on. Uh, so the steering doesn't lock, and you know if you can idle the car, I don't know what exactly the problem is. But at least you'll then have assistance from the power steering. Yeah, and let's squeeze in just uh, this is this one is a is a note uh, with theft now being a serious problem. Uh, ask Nico for me to give us some info on a good reason, um, a reasonable alarm system to install on older model model cars. Oh. I own a 53 year old VW Beetle, which is now a target for parts and spares. Ish. I, I, to be honest, I don't know. I, this is not my field. I, wonder, I mean, we don't have a lot of time, but actually, I, I have no expertise in this. You need to, if you go to an auto electrician, maybe they could um, find something that will, you know, some of you have a little switch head in a way that um, cuts electricity. So you, you have to switch, switch, toggle the switch and then start the car. Some people put like a steering lock on, but if people are going to steal bits off your beetle, that's an issue, fortunately. So, but when it comes to good alarm, I'm not sure or an immobilizer. Um, I think a simple search on the internet would be my suggestion um, and a bit of research. But I, yeah, I have no idea, unfortunately. Sorry, can't answer the last question. I know. Well, Nico, <laughs> it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Jet Set Breakfast. And uh, I'm sure um, Michelle will be joining you next week. Thank you. It was nice chatting to you again. Well, have a lovely weekend. Same to you. Same to you. Still coming up uh, on the other side of the news, Jomba Contemporary Dance Experience, Danceability Focusing Focus. Uh, that's 29 August to 10 September. So don't go anywhere. It's time for news.